Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Parenting Hour. You're tuned in to Unity FM 93.5 here at the heart of the city in Birmingham. And welcome also to our Luton listeners who are tuned in on Inspire FM 105.1. We're going to have another um, very interesting conversation and show for you today, inshallah, where we're going to be talking about a voluntary organisation that is uh, set up in Birmingham here in the West Midlands, uh, working with the Muslim community, the medical Muslim community, which is called BIMA, Birmingham Islamic Medical Association. And we've got somebody on uh, with us on the show who's going to talk a bit more about that in detail, Dr. Shahad. So if you would like to uh, call in the studio or email the studio, please do so. Uh, if you have any questions, please email studio at unityfm.net or call in 0121-772-8892 and our studio manager will pass on any requests or any information or any questions to us. And if there's something you want to contact us about after the show, you can also use those numbers, inshallah. So with me today is Dr. Shahad. Assalamu alaikum. Are you on the line? Assalamu alaikum, Kathleen. Yes, I am. Walaikum salam. Welcome to Parenting Hour. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really honoured to be joining you. Yes. Oh, great. That's that's really good indeed. We're, we're really happy to have you as well and to talk about BIMA because I don't think our listeners have heard of this before. So can you tell us a little bit first about BIMA? What is BIMA? Um, so BIMA is, is the British Islamic Medical Association. Oh, it's British. Medical. So, yes. so sorry, yes. listeners, I said Birmingham, but it's actually British. So you're, so the B stands for Britain. Well yes. done. So you're, you're nationwide. Yes, but yes, mashallah, it's a national organisation. Um, so B- Birmingham forms part of BEMA, so you're quite right, it is, it is a big part of BEMA, but we've also got areas, other areas that are involved, such as London, Manchester, um, the North West, Yorkshire. And it was formed in 2013 by like-minded individuals who are healthcare professionals and felt there was a need for a British Islamic medical organisation um, so they've been discussed for several years, and alhamdulillah, finally in 2013, they, they formed the British Islamic Medical Association with a, vi- a vision to inspire, unite, and serve not only healthcare professionals, but both the Islamic and British society as a whole. Um, and they've done this through a number of ways, mashallah. Mashallah. So how, how long has BIMA been running for exactly? Um? So it's been, it, it'll be five years. Five it's, years, mashallah. Yeah. yeah, so it's still quite an infant, actually, or still a child, should I say, if it's relevant to parenting. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so it is quite a young organisation, but mashallah, it's a very ambitious, um, it's a very ambitious organisation, and inshallah, they're going to carry on working both, you know, all over the UK to try and achieve their, their vision. Mm-hmm. And what is that vision, if we can describe, look at it a little bit? What, what is it that you're trying to change? So, so they have they've got this personal, well, their their national vision and their their organisation vision is to inspire, unite, and serve. And most organisations have a motto, and this is BEMA's motto, and it fits very well into what their aims are. So, they they wish to inspire not only healthcare professionals but students, those looking to go into healthcare, and unite others, brothers and sisters across the UK, and learn more about what we do and how we can support one another. And also, not only serve healthcare professionals, but also serve the local community. So we know there's a lot of health problems within that are unique to Muslims. So that, that's part of their service is try and help Muslims with that and learn more about health conditions and how they can improve their own lives, inshallah. 
MashaAllah, MashaAllah. That's really important uh, for us all. We're all kind of working in helping our, our Muslim community to um, uh, hel- uh, to be able to understand medical conditions and to be better both physically and mentally. But we didn't know that there was an organisation around this that was focusing on this. I, I love your mottos, your inspire, unite and serve. Yes, it's, it's a very beautiful motto. I wish I could say I, I thought of it, but no, I wasn't <laughs> one of the founding members, sadly. But it, it really does encompass what BEMA is about. Hmm. And what, if you can give us a little example maybe of some of the things that you've done to inspire, unite and serve over the last five years, that would be interesting, I think, for our listeners to hear about. Yes, definitely. So, so BEMA has six aims when it was formed. So hmm. I've discussed them briefly, but I can just summarise them. So one of them is members' education, so educating other healthcare professionals and students. Um, and they do this on a regular basis. So there's regular both online and face-to-face um, lectures and workshops. Um, they have life coaching sessions. They have courses on time management, um, as well as clinical courses um, thing about updating our, our knowledge clinically. But there are things outside of medicine which are really important for us to know. Um, they have their, they've had their first conference last year. It was an excellent national conference that had a range of excellent Islamic speakers. Um, every two years we have our women's conference, so that's what I'm here to talk a little bit about. So that's the women's conference that will inshallah take place this year in Birmingham on Sunday the 18th of March. And in that we unite sisters from across the UK who are either working in healthcare, studying healthcare or just interested in healthcare. And we, and we talk to them about things that are relevant to Muslim women, such as balancing parenthood and working, your Islamic studies, and also showcasing the success of Muslim women. So we are very empowered in our faith to go out to work, to to serve other people, but also to educate ourselves. And it's really important that we showcase this. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also provide a community service. So like I said, they, prov- they provide health talks and health promotion. Um, they do regular lectures on conditions such as cancer screening. They've got an excellent Ramadan initiative, which educates healthcare professionals on how to deal with the fasting patient. Um, and it's also a good networking community. So from BEMA, I've met a lot of fantastic, inspiring individuals that I wouldn't have come across. Um, and if you have any you know, questions related to your faith and working, there's always somebody that you can speak to. Um, and they're also a charitable organisation, so they have links to Islamic Relief and they have a strong charitable base to their, to their organisation. Wonderful. I, I, you know, some of the things that you're mentioning there, I'm so glad that they're being addressed now because I remember a few years back, probably when we first moved to Birmingham, about 15 or so years ago, uh, people were in hospitals wondering when a patient was kind of praying, what were they doing and why weren't they moving and maybe there's something wrong with them and they're sitting on the ground and maybe they're in a coma when they do sedued and didn't know how to respond to this. And then, and also patients were asking for prayer mats and they were saying, what is prayer mats? What's all this? So the nursing, the medical staff themselves didn't know what how to address Muslim um, and Islamic uh, aspects of our life. Mm. So this is one thing that you have addressed I think because you're doing all these talks so you're opening it up and able to educate people in how to respond more effectively to Muslims? Yes exactly so so the Ramadan initiative is part of that so it's mm. increasing awareness because even me as a Muslim doctor I'm not actually very experienced as to how to manage, uh, manage the fasting patient mm-hmm. um, so it's really important that we have a network that we can ask these questions to but also encourage our non-Muslim colleagues that there is, there is a way you can find out more about this and also allow 
Muslims to fast in a safe manner because there'd be some Muslim patients, for example, a diabetic patient who wouldn't who wouldn't tell their doctor they're fasting because they're worried about what their doctor might say. Mm-hmm. And they, they, then they don't take their medication that causes more problems. But actually, we create a more open environment to talk about real issues and having your illnesses and also being able to do um, your, your duties and requirements of, a, of, a, of your faith. Yes, that is so, so needed indeed to be able to get that message out there uh, and help people. And um, I assume the authorities, whoever the authorities are in the NHS, know that you exist. Of course, a lot of you are working already in the NHS, so you're probably there able to filter that information and look what we're doing, look at how we are able to bring forward issues that are always going to be issues there. As you mentioned, a very good example actually of the person that doesn't say that they're fasting or and just continue fasting and then may require medical treatment because they don't have those conversations with the doctor of what is needed and what they need to do or the person that is pregnant as well and um, maybe want to continue fasting as as well and feel that they can do it but need to have these conversations. Exactly, we need to have an open discussion um, both, you know, with patients and other professionals and also, you know, allow patients to ask questions. It may not be suitable for them to fast as Mm -hmm. well and Mm -hmm. it it can be difficult to hear that from a non-Muslim healthcare professional but actually if it's somebody within your faith who's experienced and have the knowledge to tell you that, then often patients are more ex- accepting of that, mm-hmm. which is really important. Yeah, and, uh, and another way of doing something. So um, another example come to my mind, maybe you have broken your leg and you've got um, one of these uh, plasters on it that you can take off just for a few minutes, but you have to keep it on for the rest of the day, for example, and how you can do wudu when you've taken it off and wear socks and then mm-hmm. put it on for the rest. It would be somebody that is... Muslim and medical that would be able to give that advice and understand the position rather than somebody that didn't understand it. Yeah, so some, some cases like that, I mean, that's not something we've come across. I mean, there might have been, I've not personally come across that example, but there might have been other healthcare professionals that have may come across that. But mm. for example, if I didn't know the answer to that, then perhaps I could liaise with, an, you know, another colleague with yeah. a beamer who may have access to a sheikh or an imam who has a greater understanding and we can we can discuss that as well. So that having that network is very important to, to be able to have that dialogue amongst us as healthcare professionals and serve our patients and our communities. Mashallah. How many is in your network? Because it sounds like you're very big <laughs> as an organisation, uh, Mashallah. So there, there's different types of memberships. So, mm-hmm. um, they, they have student memberships and they have associate memberships and full memberships. Um, and anybody um, who is a healthcare professional or studying healthcare can join BEMA for free. Um, I'm not actually sure what the numbers are up to. I'm sure that they've got hundreds at the moment, but I would have to probably let you know. I, you can't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to quote me on that. But, um, mm-hmm. It's getting bigger and bigger. And we are really keen to further expand. Um, and obviously, one of the reasons I'm here today is to promote BEMA and just showcase the work that it's done and also encourage others to join, inshallah, and mm-hmm. help us as well to to meet the vision. Mm, mm, of course, of course. And we're going to talk about all of that and maybe we'll um, start a little bit around your vision now with what's happening on the 18th of March, which is quite close coming up, mm. um, not so far away now. Uh, and you say it's a, a full day around women in particular. Yes, so it's less than two weeks to go. So the pressure's on us now, but inshallah it will be a very good conference. So it's um it's so we have a women's conference every two years and we have it in different regions so 
two years ago it was in Nottingham and this year it's um, at Birmingham Medical School um, and it's a one day event organised by sisters for sisters um, and our theme this year again it's inspire and be inspired but we are showcasing women excelling in healthcare so showing the work that they've done so we've got a range of excellent speakers both medical and non-medical so we've got Nadia Bakari, who's a very successful pharmacist based in London. And we've got Yusra Ahmed, who is, again, a very successful um, dentist and aesthetic medicine doctor based in London. And we've also got a doctor from the north, from Birmingham, so Sabina Jamil, who's a local GP and also an educator for GP trainees within the Birmingham area. We've got a fantastic range of, of speakers, and we've got, including yourself, Kathleen, you're going to be one of our speakers inshallah on balancing motherhood and healthcare. So there's something really for everybody. Um, so I've been out there advocating for people to come to the conference. I'm also encouraging, you know, students who are interested in studying healthcare but haven't haven't been able to see how you can balance having a life and working as either a doctor or a pharmacist. So inshallah it'll be a really good opportunity to showcase that and encourage other sisters to become to become either doctors, dentists, pharmacists, nurses you know, whatever suits them best, but as long as as long as they're reaching out for, for what they want to achieve. Yeah, that sounds really good. Actually, it was some health visitors that first passed me on the leaflet of what you were doing. They were so keen um, oh, to attend because um, I, they, when we're talking about health, there's a wide range of, of people that it does cover, uh, mashallah. And um, that trying to get that balance between home life and work life and all the other charity things like what yourself is doing as well. So mm. it's not just paid work that we have to do and home life that we're looking after. But mm. like all the people that are coming, you're all involved in this charity, mashallah, giving up your time for others. So there's that life as well. So there's lots of different lives that are exactly. overlapping each other. Yes, definitely. And and like you said, healthcare just encompasses so many different professions. Mm-hmm. And that's what's the beauty of this conference is we can showcase that. And also your point is that we've got so many different commitments both within our jobs but outside of our work. And sometimes it feels like we're struggling on our own and is it just me that I'm really struggling to do this and to do that. But actually I think we're all in it together and this is a good opportunity for us just to have you know, have a nice social learn and just find out how, how we cope and just support one another and I think that's what we really need within our communities. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think uh, there'll probably be a lot of health uh, professionals listening to this on the way home because this is a drive time show and mm. a lot of them will be going home at this time and tuned in and listen to it or they might listen to the, the repeat show on Sunday and hear about it and would be wondering, OK, this is great. This is something I should be at. Where do I go to book onto this and how do I find out a bit more about it? So that's a very good question. Um, so the way to find out more is that there's the British, um, the British Islamic Medical Organisation website, which is which is BritishIMA.org. Um, we've also got a Twitter page at BritishIMA, and also on Facebook. Um, I'm also happy to share the links on your website. But if you if you go on either Twitter, Facebook, or the British Islamic Medical Association website, that's BritishIMA.org there'll be links to book tickets on there. Um, so yes, please do book and find out more about it because it, it is very good. And if you can't attend the conference, and there are other events that BEMA regularly hold, so there's plenty of opportunity to, to attend one of our events. 
It sounds really good, and actually we must get uh, tweeting it a bit more indeed and um, hashtagging yeah, you into our tweets. Yeah, um, please. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, so I need to find that again uh, um, at British uh, IMA dot yeah. org, you were saying, is, yeah. is, um, is the hashtag, is that right? No, that's, that's the website. That's the website, um, www. So, yeah. yeah, so it's at British IMA is... Is a Twitter still, grant. It, it's still very complicated getting used to all these different aspects of social media. But yes, um, we do have a Twitter account. Thankfully, I don't do it. I think I would struggle to manage Twitter. <laughs> but yes, it is a bit of a struggle indeed to get everything done. But I think it is very useful of getting the information out there. And a lot of our professionals are using it, of course, and very used to it. And um, I pick up a lot of information about NHS and about changes and about mental health from Twitter now and even papers, research papers. I actually mm. only last night emailed myself from Twitter a paper that I'm going to read later on um, about a baby in the wound responding to a facial figure on uh, kind of pictured onto the mother's tummy and how babies are responding to that so I thought oh, oh that wow, sounds really interesting. interesting yeah yeah mashallah so Twitter I think is one of the ways that actually we need to be in contact with as professionals and uh, keeping up with with latest research um, so it, it is a it is good means there of getting the information out there we only have a couple of weeks and, and as it is so linked into International Women's Day which is on the 8th and and BIMA event is happening on the 18th I mm. think listeners you should be able to remember the date very well so you already know International Women's Day is on the 8th of March I and mean, it happens every year and there's lots of things happening this year because of the suffragettes and uh, links to that. Actually, we're having an, a tea party ourselves. If anybody is in Bosel Heath on Thursday, you're welcome oh, to come to our suffragette tea party if you dress like a suffragette. Uh, well, just for us, mashallah, it's just wearing our long dresses and um, and come along to that. And then after that words, there's a, a free lunch in uh, St. Mary's Centre just down the road from our centre and everybody's welcome to attend that as a free lunch as well. So, um, listeners, if you're tuned in and listening to that, please do come along to that. And then on the 18th, which is only 10 days after that, on the Sunday, this conference is happening that you can find out and learn more about different professions. And we're going to go into it in a little bit, the different professions that will be there, and the different doctors that will be there, and how it would be useful for somebody that's thinking of going into the health profession and why they should come to this. So at the moment, um, Dr. Shahad, I know of a young person. She's doing her A-levels. She's thinking of becoming a midwife, but um, not quite sure. Would this be something that she should come to? Yes, I would definitely advise her to come to this. Um, we are hoping to get sort of we are hoping to get nurses and midwives at the conference. But even just speaking to other other doctors, other pharmacists, um, and there'll most likely be other midwives there. She can find out what it's like just to work in the NHS, how to be a healthcare professional. Some of us may have contacts with other midwives, so if she was interesting interested in speaking to a midwife we could certainly arrange that mm -hmm. but I would definitely advise her to come I think if I'd known about this when I was applying to university it would have definitely been eye-opening and it would have given me a great opportunity to speak to other sisters about how how they got to where they are so yes please encourage her to come in chat or ask. 
Wonderful. That that sounds really uh, very, very useful for her. And I definitely will pass it on. And listeners, if you know of anybody that's interested in anything in the medical field, here is your opportunity to bring and come along with your young person as a parent to find out as well. Because sometimes um, parents get worried, you know, their children may have to live away from home and how are they going to manage and how does that work? So you're having professionals there that have done this that they can talk to. Exactly, exactly. And I remember... Well, I had the same sort of issues when I was going to university, understandably my parents were concerned about me living away from home, simple things about where to get halal meat, mm-hmm. how to find out the prayer timetables. Um, so simple things like that are really make a real difference to your life when you're living away from home. And it, it's so important for us to speak to other Muslims who've experienced studying away from home and how they've coped with it. You know, fasting when you're studying is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, please, if anyone is interested in either studying medicine, dentistry, pharmacy, anything in healthcare, then please do bring your children and come along, or, pe- or children, bring along your parents so they mm-hmm. can see what it's like, so you can show them the beauties of working in the NHS. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that will really, really reassure parents, because I think, especially in, in nowadays, parents worry about who are, if they live away from home, who are they going to be mixing with? Will there be Muslims there? Will they know of other Muslims? Will they be able to eat halal meat, as you mentioned? Who will influence my lovely child that I've nurtured for the last 18 years and now is the first time they're moving into the big, wider world? Who will be there influencing them? Who will be there if they've got queries, if they've got problems? So all of these questions are probably running around in parents' minds. Um, of course. Mm-hmm. Of course, and obviously we live in, we're very fortunate to live in this British society. It has many, many great values. Um, and it's just finding that, that way to integrate while still retaining your faith and values at the same time. And there's, there's definitely ways to do that. I think the British culture has many fantastic aspects, and as does being a Muslim. And I think when you have the two together, it can work beautifully. I've, I've grown up here since I was two. Um, I'm very fortunate to have a number of, of British friends and friends from ranges of backgrounds. And actually, we learn from one another. Um, so sometimes moving away and integrating in different communities is actually beneficial because we can show them the beauty of our own religion and we can learn from them and they can learn from us. Wonderfully said. And mashallah, that's maybe what just a parent's near to hear because sometimes if they haven't experienced this in the past, they, the fear of the unknown is greater than what it actually is. So, as you're saying, there's lovely community out there. We're living with British values. There's good people, no matter what faith and background they're from, oh. that will help and encourage and support each other and on their journey through university. Exactly. So I, I grew up in Leicester and Nottingham, which has a strong um, Muslim community. Um, but I had a friend from a range of backgrounds. And then I went to do my medical degree in Newcastle and... If anyone's been to Newcastle, there is a very small Muslim community. And when you're a student, that's even smaller. So I wasn't particularly aware of any Islamic organisations. So, you know, the majority of my friends were Caucasian, Christians, other religions. But actually, we got on so well. Um, so, you know, I would I would attend dinners, but they would ensure the food was either vegetarian or halal. Um, again, I would encourage that if I was fasting, they would break their fast with me. Um, one year we had an Eid celebration because I couldn't go home. So we had an Eid dinner at my house. So they learnt so much about it. And my friends had never met a Muslim before, had Muslim friends. They didn't know the difference between a temple, a synagogue or a mosque. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were able to, to learn more about that. Um, and obviously, I, I'm an Arabic background, so they love trying the Arabic cuisine. Um, so it was fantastic. And I got to try 
a number of northern things. You know, it's very rural up north and it's very beautiful. And that's all relevant to our faith. Um, Islam encourages us to move and see the world around us and interact with other people. But what we have to remember is to, rem- to keep our own values mm-hmm. and our faith. And that's very easily done. <laughs> It is, it is indeed, and I think it, sometimes parents fear because they don't know, but when they see people like yourselves, positive role models that have been through the system and have come out of the other side and, mm. and have experienced this, and you, you know what you're talking about because you have experienced it, um, and they often do relax then thinking, oh, okay, mm. it's easy to go to Newcastle and let my loved one stay there, my daughter. It must have been, yeah. you know, probably unusual for your parents all the way to Newcastle. If if she's got a problem, what am I going to do? But when they saw you making friends and integrating and because of your experience, of course, beforehand mm. as well, it, uh, it helped. It helps them to relax. Yes. And obviously, open communication between parents and children is vital for that. Um, so, you know, parents shouldn't be shouldn't be blind to what goes on in our, in our societies. Muslim kids are just as affected by, you know, problems such as abuse, such as bullying, as other children are. So it's important that, you know, for parents to be aware of this. Inshallah, it won't happen to their child. But just having that discussion with them so they can approach their parents if there are any problems is really important. And it helps the child to mature and also allows them to relax. Actually, I've got my parents who I can talk to about these things and they can support me. So mm-hmm. having open conversations with children is really important which is something that I'm going to be talking about on that workshop, actually, on the 18th yeah. of March, mashallah, because we find that it's a it's an issue no matter what age the pair, the child is. Communication comes up over and over and over again, and so we're going to go into that in a little bit more depth on the 18th of March, listeners. We're talking here about the MIMA conference on the 18th of March. If you want to find out more about it and you've got a chance over the commercial break, do go to um, the website, which is www.b britishima.org or if you're on Twitter you can uh, go to at britishima and find out a little bit of information. We're actually going to come back after this commercial break so do keep tuning in where we're going to talk more about what's happening and more about how we can, the medical community, support each other and support the wider community inshallah. So please do not go away, do keep tuned in inshallah. Asalaamu Alaikum.